My name is Scott Challoner and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a dark and miserable autumn day here in the capital, but I am delighted to say that joining me on today's show is Paul Alderson, founder of Wonder Stuff in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Uh, Paul, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Hi, Scott. Uh, nice to be here. Nice having you as well, Paul. Um, now, just for those regular listeners tuning in that may not be familiar with yourself and your businesses, um, you founded Wonder Stuff, so you're a brand development agency in the uh, the northeast, and you've also got interest in um, Flint Lab, which is an entity providing sort of work and office space for independents and other sort of local businesses. So, caught quite a bit that you're doing there. I think it's fair to say. Uh, yeah, we started Wonder Stuff uh, nearly 13 years ago. Um, after a kind of career working as creative director in different agencies. Uh, and I've had the pleasure of working with lots of local businesses to support their growth through using their brands and understanding their brand and uh, design from identities through to packaging uh, and general communications. And about three years ago, uh, we realized we had more office space than we needed at the time. So launched a co-working space uh, here in just in Newcastle. Uh, we opened that uh, in November and it's been fairly steady ever since in terms of being busy. Uh, we originally ran it with hot desking but removed after a while found it was better for us just to have some residents who run the desks by the month uh, and therefore can kind of build more of a community. Mm, certainly very interesting and I can imagine that sort of both sides of those businesses have been affected very much in different ways by the events of the last 18 or 19 so months with the COVID-19 situation um, so how operationally has that affected you? Wonderstuff was quite fortunate that we uh, were able to move to being remote working quite quickly uh, we have a lot of trust in the team um, we, tried, we, were, we were already on the process of building more flexibility into people's working weeks so it kind of pushed all that along. Uh, and Kerry, our design director, had only joined us in January. So she's now been working remotely for nearly two years. Um, and it's been, actually, it's been really good. We've been able to have more time focused on projects uh, while not being kind of pulled into general meetings. Um, it's enabled her to work much more flexibly, traveling on down the country to visit friends and, and relatives over those two years uh, rather than being tied to coming to the office every day. So Flint Lab, yeah, we had to close down uh, in the first lockdown and then we're able to reopen in the June with the relevant safety protocols in place based on we provide a working workspace. Uh, it wasn't our decision whether the people who use the desk could work from home or not. So that was up to them to choose to come in. We found probably about 50% of them wanted to come in, wanted to get out of the house, wanted to have a dedicated place to work from. So we've been back open since last June uh, and taking the relevant precautions where needed. Yeah, the, the, the benefits of home working have really been talked up, haven't they, over the course of the last 18 months? We've realised, of course, what it does for productivity, what it also does for time efficiency and sustainability as well. So can you see sort of at least hybrid working being a real part of the norm in the way that we do business in this country moving forward into the long term now and also within your business? Yeah, in our business, definitely. We're fortunate to get our creatives. We can work remotely relatively easily. Um, and our clients are all sort of northeast based, so it does mean if we want to travel to see them, we can without that kind of feeling of having to rush back to the office. 
I think there'll be a balance over the coming year of people wanting to get back into offices and into to workspaces to get out of the house, to be somewhere different, to be able to separate work from home. Uh, as a, a kind of business leader, it's easier for me because I'm, I'm working more, um, but I don't want our team to feel like they're constantly at work and we've worked hard over this last year to try and balance that with making sure people, you know, if it's sunny, if it's a nice day, get out in the fresh air, take a half day, um, make the most of the weather while we've got it over the summer rather than wait till the winter and then uh, we're all stuck indoors quite a lot more than we mm. would like to be. Yeah, that's sort of the challenge with home working, isn't it? It sort of blurs the boundary between work life and home life. So from a well-being perspective, it sort of warrants different challenges from leaders to try and monitor that and make sure that, you know, that work-life balance is actually in check. Um, just how important is sort of mental health and well-being from your perspective? And that's not just in terms of looking after that of your colleagues, but also your own as a leader as well, because CEO burnout, especially in a period of crisis like we've had that is also a very real issue isn't it yeah i found uh well for the first year of lockdown quite all right because we were also focused on sort of keeping in mind what was happening day to day and surviving uh, and supporting our clients through that first kind of 12 months i think the last 12 months have, have been harder for me personally and i think for the team because of the almost endless up and down and lack of certainty um, over the last year, we've introduced four-day weeks, again, to give, because we're quite an active team, to give people a chance to get out of it more uh, in the fresh air, doing activities, whether that's running, paddleboarding, just out with friends, um, rather than almost fall back into the bad habits of get up, go to work, go home, go to bed. Yeah, that makes sort of perfect sense uh, from my perspective, and especially, and um, as leaders, of course, we need to sort of step up and really keep tabs on that side of things. I suppose it is one of the big lessons that we've sort of taken from the pandemic, how it sort of amplified the importance of mental health and well-being. But if we think of things that we've maybe learned from the last two years, is there anything else that sort of really strikes you that you're sort of going to take forward as almost like a positive? I think that reality of... Um you know, family, um, spending time, work is not everything. Uh, and I think there's been very much a, a culture of, a hustle culture over the last few years of, you know, startups and entrepreneurship and working every hour there is with no talk of the sacrifices that are made um, in terms of families, in terms of mental health and physical health. I've always been physically active, uh, always been into fitness, so I've maintained that through lockdown. I think that we need to try and push that more. So whilst moving to a four-day week is mentally beneficial, I think we have to, as leaders, push push our teams to be more physically responsible for themselves in terms of their, their health and well-being. Exactly. And a lot of that comes down to culture, doesn't it, as well? And I think that's going to be something that's incredibly important over the next few months and indeed years, because what we're already seeing is that when candidates are going forward for job roles, they are wanting to know instantly about what are your sort of well-being policies? Do you allow for flexible working for the benefit of that? And I think if your culture doesn't sort of keep those things very much at the forefront, you're not going to be able to tap into that sort of talent pool and resource that's there. So business really has to move with the times. And that's something that leaders really do have to be aware of as well. 
yeah, I think in different industries, it's going to give different challenges. I think the creative industry, by default, most of the people who work in it on the creative side want to have more control over what they do mm. uh, in terms of working hours and freedom to create on their own terms for their own projects. So I can see there being a lot of slightly smaller contracted work, probably. Um, not quite gig economy, but almost have more employees on shorter terms or part-time work, which gives them flexibility and the benefit of being able to produce their own work alongside kind of regular income and gives the businesses um, the opportunity to have a wider talent pool to work with and collaborate with. Absolutely right. And in this um, sort of environment that we're seeing at the moment, this sort of changing landscape, just because there are a lot of sort of younger viewers that regularly tune into this podcast that may have their own big idea and may want to maybe start a business themselves, you as a successful business leader, if you were to maybe give them one piece of advice for them looking to get on the road to success at this point in time, what piece of advice would you sort of give them to really get out there and look at the opportunities, but also make sure that they're not making any rookie errors straight away? Oh, I think I'd advise them to, to just keep pushing and go for it. I think there are a lot of people who have good ideas and don't progress them because they don't think they've got the knowledge or capability. Now you can access most of that knowledge online through different courses um, and learning and just learn by, I, I think we've got to accept more failure. I know we talk about it a lot in leadership roles, mm. but every role except that you can try stuff and it doesn't have to work the first time. And whilst as a startup, you can take those risks more easily um, to try and work out what works for you and uh, the business or product you're making. When we talk about a failure, do you almost think that in like British culture, we demonize failure too much and almost look at it as terminal rather than being a learning experience? Because I suppose in some ways we kind of have to suffer setbacks in order to learn and to improve ourselves, don't we? So it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah, I think we are very quick to judge. Uh, I don't think social media helps that, but we tend to look at everything as final. Uh, if if this business fails, that's the end of everything rather than just the end of a chapter. And many successful business people have run businesses that have failed at some point for some reason, but start another business and learn from it. I think there's a, let's say a lot of trying to understand we're all in, in parts of our lives. And I think the pandemic has shown that, that mm. this is a chapter of life that we'll all come through and do something different. Um, I think failure is one of those pieces to accept it will happen uh, and just not to not to let it stop you from trying and i think it's testament to just how adaptable british industry is isn't it what's happened during the pandemic we've seen a lot of companies essentially change their entire operating models and the way that they deliver their products even sort of rolling new products and services out there in order to sort of keep their business ticking over and keep vital services going into their local communities and the businesses that they work with so it just goes to show that you know, adapting, pivoting, it is possible. I mean, you don't have to t take it as just, oh, this is the end. Yeah, I think a lot of businesses have been forced to make changes which have been for their benefit in the long run. Things mm. that I've no doubt many business owners have thought about for a long time and not actioned because they've been busy with the day-to-day -day of their business. The pandemic gave them the opportunity and the time and the reality that if they didn't change then, uh, they would their businesses would fail. 
to kind of kick a lot of people to, to get on with things that they were putting off. It certainly did. And I think those that have taken that opportunity and seized upon it to change and adapt are the ones that are going to be better off in the long run, certainly. And thinking about that long run and what it might hold for Wonder Stuff and Flint Lab now, just before we sort of wrap things up on the programme today, um, I'd be interested to understand what some of your visions are for your businesses going into this next year, all being well in the economic and the pandemic, um, as of course, and ideally where you'd want to be by this time next year and what you're hoping to have achieved. I think for Flint Lab as a co-working space, our mission has to be to help our members get more value from uh, having a place to come and work uh, in terms of offering them more within the membership, in whether that's physical or mental health uh, benefits. Um, for Wonder Stuff, it's, it's helped us focus on the kind of work we want to do much more. Uh, and our goal is to kind of work with a lot more businesses in the wellness sector that, again, align with our personal beliefs um, on our goals for where businesses need more support um, to try and help more mental and physical fitness and, and wellness businesses progress and get more audience which is a, a net benefit for everybody. Mm. And it's going to be an interesting time on both fronts. I mean, when it comes to workspace especially, I mean, there's a lot going on in the commercial property industry at the moment, and obviously the outlook there is quite uncertain. So it will be interesting to keep tabs on that and see how that develops over the course of the year, the next few months and indeed years. And I think as the sort of landscape starts to become that little bit clearer, we see the fog lifting. I'd actually relish, Paul, the opportunity to welcome you back onto the programme with us just to see how sort of that vision you have, how it's coming along and how it's being implemented. And hopefully there'll be an opportunity to look back at what we've said today and talk about how it's been executed successfully. I would, uh, that'd be great. Well, yeah, I think we're already looking, kind of looking back over this year and last year now much more clearly with what's happening, what we have control over uh, and can realise what we do have control over going forward to, to make an impact. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what we said before, doesn't it? Um, it's given us that period, the pandemic, to sort of reflect and really understand what it is that we're doing and what it is that we can do and need to do better. Um, I've got to say, it's been a real pleasure welcoming you onto the programme today to sort of get an insight as to what's been going on within your businesses. And it is so important in the context of what we're trying to do in getting those real and authentic accounts from British business leaders out there. And um, for those tuning in today, if you feel that you have your own story of success and of innovation to share with us, then why don't you apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. For now, Paul, it's been a pleasure having you with us and do take care and stay safe with all still going on. Thanks, Scott. And to everybody tuning in today as well, I do hope that you all enjoyed the interview with Paul Alderson, founder of Wonder Stuff and Flint Lab. And until next time, when we're back with a whole new account, take care and goodbye.